and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this bumper episode, I interview John Taylor, a lover of the English language, as we talk about phrasal verbs. Now, these are surprisingly controversial amongst linguists, some people describing them as verb phrases, phrasal verbs, or two-part verbs. But we actually take a simple definition and work with it. We're looking at the use of these phrases or these verbs within the English language. John and I talk about three simple examples of phrasal verbs. To get on, to look at or on something, and to go, to go under, to go on. We talk about them in their natural use and explore within the fields of literature, sport and business how phrasal verbs are used. For reference, I use Michael Swan's Practical English Usage, the fourth edition, which came out in 2020, where he defines phrasal verbs as possibly two-part verbs, where there is a verb and an adverb particle, like get back or walk out. They could have idiomatic meaning, such as to break out or to turn up, where, as I discuss in the podcast, it's not always possible immediately to get the meaning or the sense of the phrasal verb just by looking at the individual words. Then, of course, there are phrasal verbs with or without objects. So some phrasal verbs are intransitive. That means they don't have an object, such as I got up at seven o'clock this morning, or that color really stands out, or those that are transitive and therefore need an object. Could you switch the light off, please, for example? That's an example. You have to switch something off. And then we have to think about word order with objects. So adverb particles can go either before or after noun objects. That's the technical grammar aspect of the work. But in this episode, in this podcast, we're looking at how first language speakers use phrasal verbs in natural speech. So you'll find this conversation helpful to you, I hope, and useful as we explore up to 50 different phrasal verbs, all simply from the words to get on, to look, and to go. Hello, John. It's really nice to speak to you again, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Fine, thank you. Okay. I've described you in my introduction as a lover of the English language. Now, you're an avid reader, which means you read a lot. Um, what's your kind of favourite genre uh, in reading? What do you enjoy my, reading? My, my favourite genre by far is, is detective fiction. Uh, I mean, I, I even like very old-fashioned historical detective fiction. So those from the 20s and 30s love the old-style language, but... Uh, there's not too many of those about in print anymore, so I have to rely on uh, people like my good friend David Lee to provide such uh, books, but plenty of more modern ones about. And it's um, interesting to note also the um, change even from the 80s to the current day in terms of usage of language and then obviously technology things as well, because now you find obvious usage of mobile phones as recording devices and uh, all sorts of other technological gizmos that get used by detective agencies that uh, clearly weren't there even uh, 
back in the 80s that we can remember remarkably well. Yes. And then we've got, uh, that leads us very nicely into our first phrasal verb. Now, I've given quite a hopefully clear explanation of phrasal verbs in the introduction, but they are used a lot in writing, aren't they, as, as ways of describing uh, what's going on within the narrative or even within the dialogue uh, within your detective novels. Very much so. Okay, so let's try that first one then. And it's got a sort of detective sort of feel for it. And I'll give the, I'm going to feed you the line. I'm going to uh, give you the expression. Then as a native speaker, English, British English native speaker, I want you to use it in a couple of sentences that give my listeners uh, an opportunity to see how it would be used. So to get something on someone, to get something on someone. Yes, exactly. Um, it can be used certainly within uh, police referencing crime. So go to the police for all I care. You haven't got anything on me. Okay. As in there is no incriminating evidence uh, on me. You can't prove anything is what that usage of getting anything on means. Okay. So, yes, an interesting usage without doubt. And definitely within the the, um, the detective genre, uh, yes, to get something on someone. It also has a slightly different second use, um, which is around having an advantage over somebody. So can you give me an example of how to get something on someone can be used with a slightly different meaning, meaning to uh, have an advantage over somebody else? Yes, if you've got something on someone, you have the advantage because... Uh, you have knowledge that they don't have or have knowledge on them, uh, which gives you a, an edge. So you could say something like, you won't get that job because I've got five years experience on you, which means yes. I've got five more years of experience than you have. Is that right? Uh, that would absolutely be the case. So okay. again different usage of the same words yes which makes it very tricky to learn because we're going to give 11 examples using the phrase to get on 11 different meanings of the same five letters two words the first word get the second word on but they have 11 different meanings and they're probably more but 11 that we're going to look at so to get on, meaning to cope or to manage, you could say to fare, F-A-R-E, but that's an unusual word to use, but to cope with something or to manage something, how would you use get on in a sentence? Well, you would say I managed to get on okay, despite the fact I've injured my knee and can't walk well, but I get on okay, is okay. one way one might use it. Or if your boss was to say to you, how are you getting on with that work I gave you this morning? Would that be right? That would be another one. Yes, I'm getting on with it very well, actually. I've already written a five-page summary, oh, you might that's... say, you were <laughs> well ahead of the game. Okay, very good. All right, so that's to get on the second meaning. And I'll put these in the description of the podcast just to help people because listening to this is difficult because the whole purpose is to explore and to explain language um, but it does help sometimes to be able to read it through as well so that was get on as in to cope or to manage or to fare now to get on um, to get on someone's nerves maybe or to bother or to nag someone um, 
how is that used? And it sounds a bit informal to me to get on as in to nag, N-A-G, to annoy someone or to um, keep on at them about something. How would you use that? Yes, to to get on someone's nerves or to get on at someone is very much to constantly be berating them for having done something or not having done something. Um, and yes, it would generally happen if uh, one's wife was uh, fed up with uh, one not having done something that should have been done, like I'm getting on at you again because you've not yet mown the lawn. Okay. So it was your job to cut the grass. You've not done it. Um, I want you to get on with it. Yeah, but that's that's different. Yeah, um, we'll come to that one. But um, to get on in that sense, she would be saying to you, um, I am getting on at you. I want you to do it. Okay. So to nag or to bother, uh, to encourage somebody in a, in a positive way to do something. But um, it's usually used in the negative way. It generally is used in a negative way. Got to be negative. Great experience in that. Okay, very good. Right. Here's another one um, to get on something. Now, this is the probably the simplest um, use of the phrase to get on. Um, to board or to alight is a very unusual. Um, actually, that's get off, isn't it? Alight. Uh, yes. Is it a light? Yes, to board, to get on. So to get on a bus, to get on a train, to get on an aeroplane. Um, give me a couple of expressions where you might use the phrase to get on something. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I met Alan and Ken at St Pancras Station and then we went to get on the train to Ebbsfleet. Okay. Might be one way of using that expression. Okay, so to get on the bus, to get on a train... Uh, would you say get on a car? No, one gets in a car, not on it, interestingly enough. Okay, but then why don't you say get in a bus? I don't know. It's, it must be something to do with size of vehicle, I suspect. Okay, um, how about a bicycle? One gets on a bicycle. Okay, yes, okay. absolutely. So physically sit on it and you go somewhere. Okay, but not get One in a get car. on a horse. Okay, but not get on a car, you get in a car. Yes, quite so. Excellent. Um, now, to help somebody to get on something, so to help somebody to board something is also used. Um, looking at a second example here, um, in this one, we use a noun or a pronoun can be used between get and on. So what about helping somebody to get on something? How would you use that? Help someone get on something. Yes, that's an interesting thing. I help my sister get onto her uh, bicycle because she had hurt her knee, might be one way of, uh, of saying help okay. them get on. Yeah, to assist, to support, to, assist, to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what about dressing oneself? Um, you can say, what's that you've got on? Um, again, slightly different use, but here, uh, what about if I said something like, let me get my coat on, would that be okay? That would absolutely be uh, be okay if we were about to go to a football match, uh, we were in the house and you would say just that, let me get my coat on and we'll be off to the game. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think 
starting something, um, to get on something, um, what about a job or a task that you were asked to do? If you were going to, well, you keep using football as our theme. Um, you were asked to produce a thousand copies of a football match program, which goes with, I, I realize many countries do not have match programs, but as and when we get football back again, and there is a nice document called a match program, which puts the teams in it, lots of adverts, but also um, history of the team, their, their um, achievements, the players that represent those teams. Um, and somebody asked you to make a thousand of those. Um, how would you use get on with that task of producing a match program? Well, if somebody said, um, are you uh, going, going to uh, sort the match program? I might say, yes, I'll get on that now. Although actually I wouldn't because I think that's something that's crept in from America uh, and is not, is not probably used in England in people of my generation. Younger people would say it now, I believe, but I would actually not use it in that way. I would say, yes, I'll do it now. So interesting the way language changes again in that example. Yeah, so that points to the difference between British English and American English. And of course, as again, I've said in my introduction, uh, in terms of mistakes, there are many different ways in which language is used around the world. English, one of its great advantages is that it's a living language continuing to evolve will sometimes cause difficulty if one wants to be absolutely correct. The first problem you have is please define the word correct because who determines? We don't have an Académie Française as they have in French uh, to govern the, the rules of the French language, if you like. That doesn't happen within English. Uh, there are preferences, but there are no hard and fast rules, it seems. That's right. And, and every year uh, the Oxford English Dictionary um, gives examples of new words that have come into uh, common English usage and therefore are now regarded as acceptable once they're in that dictionary. So year on year, the thing evolves. Okay, we'll, um, we'll take our first break there, John, and then we'll come back on to get on um, something. But uh, thank you for that. Okay, John, let's get back to our getting on. Um, now, what about this one to get someone on or onto something or someone? How would you use that to get someone onto something? Yes, an interesting one. Again, one that's crept in, I believe, from American English would be to say, so get someone on, on the telephone switchboard at once, uh, which is, is fair usage. Don't have a problem with that personally or get someone onto the injured man in the hall right now. Uh-huh. Again, perfectly acceptable usage of uh, the term. Mm-hmm. To get on, okay. Yes. Um, which means to assign a task, to give a task, um, to ask someone to do something for you. Um, I'll get someone else onto it rather than doing it myself. I'll get John onto the job, yep. Okay. Um, and then another one, which is a little bit colloquial, um, but this is where we get this difference between phrasal verbs and verb phrases, which I've talked about in the introduction. To get on in years, to get on in years. How would that yeah. be used? Uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I may might say that um, 
my great aunt is getting on in years because she's very old. And I think one tends to use that expression mainly for people over the age of 80. It's rarely used further down the scale, but uh, yes, it's just a polite but informal way of saying someone is getting rather aged. Okay, or old. Yep. And usually you say we say getting on, don't we? Um, yeah, we, it's difficult to see it being used as get on, but yes, how he's getting on in years. Yes, that's the way it's used. Now, a very common one is about friendship or relationships within a family. To get on with someone. To get on with someone. Yes, I might say to a friend of mine, well, yes, I get on with John Lawton extremely well and always have done since the day we met. <laughs> uh, that will be a, a very good way of using it and incredibly accurate. Okay, that's true. And uh, get along, is that similar? Get along? I get along with John, with you, very well, two Johns. I get yes, along with get, you. Get along with would be uh, another way of, of expressing exactly the same thing. Although that now speaks to another phrase for me. Get along now often means go away. Uh, yeah, get along. Does. Yeah. It does. And um, that's, uh, again, interesting that you need to use the same words to mean something entirely different. Yeah, this again, the difficulties of the English language, again, because of that creativity, again, because of the flexibility, the adaptability of the language is that you will find it being used in different ways, the same forms of the word, even same spelling, same form, same word order, but with different meaning. And the key here, the absolutely pivotal, most important thing, as I always say to my students, is look at the context read the word in context. What is it that the writer is trying to convey, trying to express? What can you tell by the words around it that will help you understand how this particular pair of words, get on, is being used? Um, it's all about the context. The surrounding words give you or help you uh, find out the meaning. All right. And again, the opposite, maybe not really opposite, but get on, which sounds like opposite, get on without someone or something. So how would you use that? Get on without someone or something? Yes, that's interesting. You might say to a colleague at work, will you be able to get on with your, your secretary for the next week? As in, can you cope? Yeah, without. Um, so yeah, if, yes, exactly. if your favourite football team, Chesterfield, um, had their star striker out for two or three games, how would you use get on without him for this say, meaning? Can Chesterfield get on OK without Denton in the side for the next three months? OK. And you might answer that, no, not unless we get a replacement. Yes. So that's been a big debate within uh, your club, I know, the, the role of that particular player. All right. Um, now, get on someone sounds a, a little bit um, strange. Get on someone, um, meaning to pressure someone. How might this be used to pester or to pressure or to put, Again, apply pressure on like someone? The description we had earlier of one's wife nagging one, I'm going to get on to you until you do it. So it's, it is about pestering. So... Very similar one, this. Um, so you might get on to your child for not having done homework. Mm. Um, so that's a similar 
constant pressure kind of get on. And interestingly, the Americans don't tend to use two with this. Um, the example you know, we've looked at suggests you just get on uh, somebody about something, but that doesn't sound quite right to a British uh, no. English ear, does it? It, it doesn't. It's, it is slightly different again in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, now, we, yeah. we talked before another use of get on about getting on an aeroplane, getting on a bus, getting on a coach, getting on a train. Um, but there are other things you can get on that are not vehicles. Can you think of another way of getting on something that isn't a mode of transport? Uh, mm, interesting one. Getting Meaning to climb. That, uh, to climb, well, yes, one could uh, get on a seesaw uh, <laughs> as a child or get on a swing. Um, they would be examples of getting on something that isn't a mode of transport. Yeah. Or okay. one might get onto a road even. Yeah. If you were giving somebody directions, you might say, get on the A1, get on the M1, or in Slovakia, the D1 or the R1, and follow the signs for Nitra or follow the signs for Ternava. Get on. Yes, go to that road, but be driving on that road. Or well, one might get on a wall to have a better look over the other side. Okay. Quite a reasonable use of that one. And a um, couple more. What about get on to remind somebody about something? Um, somebody's not done something, you've asked them to do it. Um, you're going to get on or get on to someone about something. How would you use that? Well, if, uh, say, again, in the work workplace, I was awaiting a report and somebody said, have you got the report from Andy? And I'd say, no, I'll get on to Andy straight away to uh, get that within the hour. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we've covered most of the familiar ones that people are more likely to get, but they will find others. So get on, simple two-word phrase. And I'll, again, in the introduction, I've talked about the four different types of phrasal verb. And I'll just repeat them now. The first one is a, a verb plus an adverb particle. The second one is where it's used idiomatically, so an idiomatic meaning. The third phrasal verb is those that take or do or don't have objects within them as a grammatical structure. And then finally thinking about the word order with objects. So it's a little bit complicated, but just the general usage, we've given some examples there of get on and how it can be very flexible, uh, but also because of that flexibility, it can create confusion. Thank you, John. Get on was really interesting. So many different meanings from the same two words. And here's another one, single word this time, but used with um, either a preposition or uh, an adverb particle. Look, L-O-O-K, look. So I'll give you the first one. Um, look up. If you want to look up, and here I mean to look up, let's say, in a dictionary. How would you use that, to look up? And what does it mean? Exactly. Somebody might give you an odd word and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure what that means. So I'll look it up in the dictionary. So look up a word in the dictionary. Okay. Or somebody might say, can you remember Chesterfield beating Millwall in 1975? And you think, no, I can't. I'll look that up in my reference book. 
So it's some kind of investigation, isn't it? Look up um, exactly. as in a reference. Yes. But there is also look up to the sky, isn't there? If an aeroplane was going over, you would ask somebody to look up, which is a prepositional. Uh, the, the second up there is a preposition. So that's slightly different. Still, it some is. would call it a phrasal verb, but actually it's probably more like a um, an adverbial phrase or a, um, something technically different, but still look up. Look up at the stars in the evening, at night, rather. Yeah, yes. In the night sky. Now, I'm, I'm trying to speak quite correctly here. I'm using up, um, but usually I would speak in the same way as you and say up. So um, very good that we're getting accent use here. So the north of England will say up, as I would if I was uh, speaking with my Mancunian accent. Slight difference if I say up, and you'll hear look up would be almost from London. But uh, look up, look up, look up. Yes, that's more received English, how you've uh, just uh, pronounced it. Yes. Say, rather than my northern up. Or modern received pronunciation, modern RP as it's now called, RP, modern RP. Yep. Right, modern RP. I've modern not RP. Heard that myself, actually. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to look into something with the second one. Look into. Look into. Yes, that's an interesting one. It's as in investigate. Somebody might have said to me in my um, career. Overhead seem ridiculously high this month. Why is that? And I'd give a few examples and they'd say, yeah, it's more than that, though. And I'd say, OK, let me look into that and I'll get back to you with the results. OK. And so to use be... an example from one of your crime novels. Well, yes. Somebody might say to a detective. Why has smith not interviewed roberts about this subject and they say i'll look into that and make sure that that has occurred okay so look into quite simply investigate to find Absolutely. out to establish the facts to research maybe yeah yes so scientists are looking into the causal link between covid and alzheimer's whether there is a connection um, so looking into can be used quite formally within a scientific context to investigate, to research. Right. Another one. Look over. Two uses I can think of here. To look over something similar to investigate, meaning to review. So look over your accounts. What would be going on there, John? That would be exactly that, a review. Somebody might pass me a set of accounts that somebody else has done and say, could you look over that and see if there are any interesting factors anything you might find that's uh, anomalous or is peculiar um, okay. so yes it's a review process anomalous nice word um wrong anomalous or Absolutely. worrying or concerning yes all those inaccurate yes again that would uh, would be precisely the case now so just many thought words, uh, the same thing I've just thought good synonyms. I've just thought of a, another use here, if you think about it, um, to look over as in um, to miss something. That can also, uh, usually you would say, I overlooked that. Um, but can it be used to mean I looked over that and I, I looked into it, but look over. Sometimes something's nagging at me thinking it can also mean to miss something, even when you're looking for it but usually yeah. it would be overlooked. I overlooked that. I missed it. There's a physical use of this, isn't there, with a preposition. So if over was a preposition, to look over a wall, give me yes. an example there. 
it would be, well, I heard a strange sound. So I looked over the wall I, and uh, what did I see? But a horse on its back, riding about in the mud. So yes, look over a wall. Strange dreams you have. Okay, that could happen, yes, to look well, over. Actually, I have seen such a thing. It reminded me of an incident in childhood when I was playing football and I suddenly heard this strange noise from over the wall and I thought, what is that? And yep. it was just that, the horse sort of rolling about. Very good. And look over, um, it's a bit similar to the next one I'm going to feed you, which is look around. You could look around a property or you could look over a property. What would the differences be there? And when would you use look around and when might you lose you, sorry, look over in the same kind of context? Look over would generally be to oversee the thing or just have a quick um, perusal from afar, whereas look around one would go inside the property open cupboard doors look in every room um, so that would be look around a property with a view to buying okay so still the key verb here is look it's some kind of investigation some kind of review you're physically looking you're physically seeing something uh, whether you're seeing it in in real or virtually or digitally or in a magazine, maybe we'll come to that in a minute. Um, what about looking for something? When would you use look for someone or look for something? Look for something. That would be when one has misplaced something. Quite frequently, in fact, I'm looking for my glasses because being short sighted, I need them for general looking around at things. Uh, but when I'm reading or eating or doing something like a session like this, I take my glasses off. And then I think, where are my glasses? So I end up looking for them. And because I'm short-sighted, I then cannot see them. Okay. You could also look for something uh, online, couldn't you? If you were trying to find a book, could you use that? Because so, looking for your glasses is very practical. It's a very, it's a physical movement, a physical action you're actually doing, but it needn't be so um, concrete, if you like to use that word, no, so precise. Right. You could be looking can, can for a new house. Something. Mm -hmm. Like a detective might be looking for a clue, for instance, back to the previous uh, literary genre. Mm hmm Okay, and then just to carry that one on a bit more, look in, look on, um, thinking of prepositions you'd use around the house. If you were looking for your glasses, where might you look in and where might you look on? Well, might look onto the work surfaces in the kitchen. I might look on the work surface. I might look on my, comp uh, my printer. Uh, if I put them down in a cupboard or in a drawer, I might open the drawer and look in the drawer to see if I'd left them in there. Mm -hmm. okay. So in is very definitely an enclosed space, isn't it? Because you'd look on a table, but you'd yes. look in a tin. So look in the bag on the table. Yes, absolutely. Two different things. And as you say, it's open or enclosed is the difference because this is something that um, students ask me about, uh, prepositions of place, um, again, attached to a verb. So this is our um, verb phrase being used, a phrasal verb being used, look on the table, but look in the bag on the table. 
Okay, good. Um, look through. Now, you gave me an interesting use of look through when you talked about look through a person. Now, how do you look through a person? Yeah, looking through a person is, is actually staring at them, but not really staring at them. It's almost like you're looking through them and they are not there. It's, uh, it is uh, an interesting way of, uh, of uh, looking uh, at the thing in general. Uh, another way of describing that, the Americans, again, would say they blanked someone Mm -hmm. uh, as though they were looking through them and they were not there. Okay. Uh, it is odd because, as you say, you're not physically looking through them, but you're looking at them, but without seeing them, as it were. Okay, so it's not x-ray vision. It can also be used to ignore someone, can't it? I walked into the room, but she looked right through me. Yes, that's exactly. Yes, ignoring someone is uh, another way of a similar thing. Okay. Uh, the, phrase, the way I used it earlier was almost like it was not a deliberate ignoring. It was no. like you were just staring into space and someone is between you and the space you were really intent on. Yeah. And to connect the British with the American English, to look blankly at somebody would be to not necessarily blanking them is a deliberate act, but a blank expression is one that's almost difficult to read because the person's eyes are literally fixed on their point in the distance and they're not really looking at you but they're looking through you they are staring yeah. it could also be used to be looking through a magazine what would that be about looking through a magazine looking through a magazine would be quickly going through the pages to look for say an article that you found was of interest or you look through the pages of a magazine to uh go to the restaurant review page because uh, that's what was of interest. Okay. Now, an expression I used with you before that you said you wouldn't use that, it may well be quite informal, but is look by. Something about calling by to see somebody, calling by or calling in on someone to look by. Can you see a way of using that? Yes. I mean, you could say I uh, went to look by Sid's house, but he wasn't there might be a way of using that expression it's not one i would use as i said but it is a valid usage of it mm -hmm. which is different to look at look at what's that one look at oh, look at one might look at a book uh one might look at a photograph one might look at a painting so you're deliberately and directly physically your eyes are fixed on something you're reading it you're looking at it yep yes absolutely uh, look to the future. I'm looking to the future. Yes, that's uh, speculating about uh, what might be happening to uh, someone in some time in the at some time in the future. Be it two weeks away, three years away, or whatever. I'm looking to the future. Yes. Okay, looking to the end of uh, lockdown. Um, then you go, go backwards, looking back, the, as Oasis said, don't look back in anger, really, look back. Yeah. Looking back, you could look back over your shoulder, which is another song. Um, but yes, and uh, looking back at past events 
looking back at that game, we went to uh, at Bolton in 1996-7 season, for instance, would be a, a way of saying, uh, of using that phrase. You had to get that one in Bolton 2, Chesterfield 3, Kevin Davis hat-trick. Is that the one you're thinking of? That most certainly is, yes. The famous FA Cup. Predicted by your good self. You must oh. have been the only person in the ground who... Uh, who thought we would win it. Exactly. And uh, Kevin Davis then went, this is football, I'm afraid, sorry, listeners. Uh, Kevin Davis then went on to have a great career with Bolton, but it was the last ever FA Cup game played at Bolton's old, old ground of Burnham Park. There's a historical fact looking back. Okay, uh, to look after something different, to look after an animal or to look after a person, what does that mean, to look after? Yeah, that's to care for them, like... Uh... Last week, my uh, sister had a broken collarbone through a bike accident, and uh, I stayed on at uh, her house to look after her for a few days. So I was making sure she was comfortable, making her cups of tea, uh, preparing food, and so on. Okay. So yes, looking after my sister. And that's a good explanation and a good example of where just taking the two individual words very simply look and after doesn't naturally or easily give the the meaning of a phrase you've got to look at the two words together again in context again in the sentence in which they're used in order to get the accurate meaning because you might think after is something to do with time so i'm looking after something does that mean i'm looking at it for a second time or a third time in sequence but no to look after someone is to care for someone yes again when you look at it in that context and look at the words individually it does make you think, well, how did we come up with that to mean that? It, it, it's, it's odd. It really is odd. But uh, that's what we mean by it. And finally, with look, let's just keep it simple. Uh, to look under a bed for something, to look to try to find something, to look under, look, uh, look in. Yes. Look under a bed would be a good one. Uh, as a happened to me in the past, I got out my socks to put on and... Uh, Somehow I'd managed to kick them, and therefore, where are my socks? Oh, I look under the bed to see if they rolled under there, and lo and behold, there they are. Socks with a life of their own. Okay, I think we need another break, and uh, then we'll go on to look at go. Okay, thank you, John. That was look. That's great, John. Thanks very much. Let's look at another verb then, go. Now, this has a, a plethora or a good number of um, phrasal verbs attached to it using the adverb particle, don't forget, or idiomatic meanings. Let's, um, let's focus on business-related matters and try and use these in a context of business. Um, something like go back. If you're in a meeting and somebody asks you to go back or go back over something, what would that be? That would be, oh, can we just go back over the accounts, because uh, I've just realized we've uh, missed uh, reviewing the overheads, or we just missed reviewing one of the branches. So go back would be to return to. Mm -hmm. Go back uh, to review again, yeah? Yes, to review again, very much uh, on the cards in any business scenario, that one. Okay, go back. 
Um, I'm going to put this one in the context of a, an idiomatic phrase. Some would call it an idiom, but go around the houses. So if somebody's in a meeting and they are going around the houses, what are they doing? Going outside, looking at the houses on the housing estate? Absolutely not. Going around the houses is not being direct, being somewhat evasive uh, and not getting to the point. Uh, usually it means people are going around the houses because they're trying to avoid actually giving the direct answer. Mm -hmm. So the parliamentary term is to filibuster, isn't it? It's come up in the States and it's used in Britain to talk out legislation by talking for so long and for so much that you run out of time. Going around the houses is a bit like that, being, as you say, evasive, avoiding the matter, not being clear, not being precise. Yes. Okay, but another use of go around, if you were driving somewhere to a meeting and somebody said, oh, go around town, um, go around the roundabout, is that the same kind of thing? Well, yes, it's, again, valid usage of go around, uh, go around these two streets to avoid the roadworks that are on the main road would be one way of using go around. Mm -hmm. And back to the minutes of a meeting, maybe, or an investigation at work, how would you use go into? I want to go into this with you. Go into. That would generally be going into greater detail on something. I'd like to go into the accounts with you after this meeting. Yes, that's fine. We can sit down and go into them uh, after this meeting's ended. And you can go into partnership with someone, can't you? You can indeed. So yes, if we set up a business together doing whatever, uh, we could go into partnership with each other and uh, do whatever. Mm -hmm. And if in business you had competitors whose performance was beginning to worry you, um, what would it mean if you said, I'm going to go after them, go after? Go after them would be you were going to compete hard with them. You were going to try your utmost to make them fail. So going after them is like it's an aggressive act. But it can also be more simply, um, John, you will speak after um, Sam. So you will go after Sam. What would that yes, mean? Yes, exactly. In, the, in that context, it's something entirely different in, uh, altogether. <laughs> or, or similarly, going after somebody could be even chasing them. Uh, <laughs> someone's running down the road, uh, having uh, nabbed a purse, and you'd say, look, there's a thief there, go after him. Okay. As in to try to catch him up. Yep, and nabbed as in stolen, yep. You just use yeah. a nice little phrase there. To nab something is to steal. So go after them, yep. Okay. Um, this one, go on to. To go on to something. So again, in a meeting, you could be talking about several topics. And then the chairman or chairwoman says, I want to now go on to something else. What's that? Go on to. That would be a change of subject, as in we might go from item number three on the agenda, go on to item number four, which would be the HR report, for instance, uh -huh. when we've just been discussing the accounts previously. So let's go on to item number four, HR. 
And again, slightly idiomatic, although you've got a preposition there, it doesn't mean go on to the table, does it? It doesn't mean stand on the table. Um, if you say, let's go on to table number four, you're actually looking at something. Yes, precisely. Looking at it, not actually, as you say, not a real physical act at all. Uh -huh. And then one you'll have used many times as an accountant in terms of review, go through the accounts, go through. What were you doing then? Go through, that generally means sitting down with an individual or a group of individuals and analysing the thing in some detail. So we go through it line by line to see if we performed as we should have done against budget. Did we overspend? Did we underspend? So it's generally a line by line analysis is going through the accounts. So there you'd be looking for good attention to detail. This is where people can ask questions. You've got to be precise with your facts, precise with your language. People are looking for thoroughness here for you to be very um, detailed in your approach, but you're going to go through the accounts. That's absolutely the case. Yes. All right. Um, another phrase using go. How about go under? What does it mean if a company goes under? If a company goes under, that means it fails. It goes out of business. So going under, again, it's an interesting one. Uh, there's, there's a physical kind of go under, which is an entirely different one, of course, which might be to go under a low bridge. For instance, which um, a large lorry might do. But uh, yeah, so you can see same words, entirely different context. Yep. As my grammar book tells me, the meaning of a phrasal verb is often very different from the meaning of the two parts taken separately. So Ooh. go under to collapse is a different meaning to go under the table and you'll find a surprise. Okay. Um, what about go by as in time? As time goes by, again, a, a nice little phrase, you'll hear it go by. Um, what does that mean, go by? As time goes by, yes. It, well, it's, it's the progression of time. So it's going by, it's, it's, it's happening. Um, that's all there is to it, really. But it's an interesting phrase in itself. Mm -hmm. Again, one of those that's difficult when you see it, unless in context, and as with time being put in the sentence, as time goes by, or in the past tense, as time went by, um, it just means the passage of time, the passing of time um, in, in time order. Okay. Um, go over, similar to um, review, go over. Yes, again, one might go over a report in a business meeting. So one might say, Nathan, can we go over your production report, please? Which means quick overview generally, rather than the go through the accounts, which generally is a more detailed line by line. So what difference? Yeah. What kind of message would you get if a chairman or chairwoman of a meeting said to you, John, I want you to go over that again? That's an interesting one. That would be if the original message was not understood, was unclear or whatever. So going over something again would be to repeat it, but generally in different terms so that uh, 
the assembled could uh, actually understand what was being ex explained, said, or whatever. Yeah, the assembled being the people in the meeting perhaps didn't get it first time or there was something maybe a little controversial. So let's just go over that again. If you were giving evidence, come back to your, I know we're talking business here, but if we were talking detective novels, a detective in an interview with a potential suspect is likely to say, I want you to go over that again. What's happening there? What's happening there is they want to go over that again, generally because originally they thought there was some lies, lack of consistency, evasions, or whatever so um, they want them to go over it again so they might trip themselves up uh, because the first version was not actually the truth okay so you're in a bit of trouble if you get that generally all right let's look at a couple of prepositional ones uh, go near go near someone or something or somewhere go near go near well yes that is a physical thing to go very close to something or you might be so told not to go near something do not go near that goat because it might bite you for okay. instance uh, go in go in go in well one might go in to a meeting one might go into a house okay. one might go in a pub soon <laughs> Which we remember from pre-COVID days, of course. Of course. Um, go up, go up the stairs and turn left. Yes, go up. That was exactly one would uh, means ascend the staircase. Mm -hmm. So to go up, absolutely. One goes up a hill on a, a stroll. Uh, one goes up a mountain if one is uh, absolutely... Uh, a dedicated mountaineer, for instance, one might go up a ladder. Mm -hmm. And then back to football, um, go down, relegated, go down. Go down relegated, yes. That uh, If you go down, that means you will be playing in a lower league the next season because you have not amassed sufficient points this season to stay up. So you go down. That's been really fascinating, John. Um, we've looked there at three sets, if you like, of phrasal verbs. Get, look, and go. And with very simple words, we've managed to cover at least 30, probably more likely 40 phrasal verbs, uh, all used in different contexts. What we've been focusing on is how they are used in, if you like, real-life sentences by native speakers. And here we've been looking at British English. Um, but it's fascinating how the use of them relies very much on the context. Yet again, we'll say this, the context of the sentence, um, what the words are surrounding it, uh, that will help you to understand how the words are being used, how these phrasal verbs are being used. Um, and it's just fascinating that we come across these a lot within speech, but we come across them within reading as well. There are thousands and thousands of phrasal verbs, so not possible to cover them all. But uh, we'll probably look at some other ones in the future. But for now, thank you very much for your help. My pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Take care, John, and all the best. Thank you.